Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, this is Mitchell from Cut Copy and you're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio. Subscribe now. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. I'm Anne and with co-hosts Bill and Gabby, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. We'd like to pay our respects to elders past and present and to acknowledge that sovereignty over this land was never ceded. Each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one, one of the many programs that assist in recovery from drug alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery stories and highlight that shared experience saves lives. This week I'm joined in the studio by Janine who's having a little bit of a coughing fit over there. <coughs> Luckily she's got some water. Uh, Janine's a member of Overeaters Anonymous. Welcome Janine. Hi Anne, thank you. Um, just for those who don't know, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. I'll just talk a little bit more while Janine coughs. Um, they welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively and we'll give some information later on in the show uh, about how you can contact Overeaters Anonymous. So Janine, are you ready to talk or do you need a little bit more coughing time? Oh no, I'm fine. <laughs> That's the worst of it over with now. Okay, good. Um, okay, uh, so we'll ask you some questions, but basically you'll tell the audience your story. So where did your story all start? Okay. Well, I identify as a compulsive eater and um, Overeaters Anonymous has completely turned my life around. Um, my earliest memories are of food. Uh, I remember being in the doctor's surgery and it, to the best of my knowledge, would be about three years old. And what I remember is being given a lolly. Um, and as I think back through the early years of my childhood, the memories that have stuck in my head are the food-related memories, um, not the people, not the events, um, certainly not, well, I suppose the, the background feeling of the, the loving family that I grew up in, um, but certainly prob I think a lot more than any usual child, certainly thinking a lot more about where food was coming from, what I could get, where I could get it from, where I could hide it, all of those sorts of things right from a very early age. What age are you talking about when you talk about even, you know, hiding it? Oh, early primary school. Um, yeah, certainly trying to figure out how to get 10 cents to go to the local shop yeah. to, to buy foods that weren't allowed in the house at home. Yeah. So, were, were there a lot of restrictions in, around food in your household? It was... Based from love, um, and and certainly one of the ways that um, Mum showed her love was cooking really well, providing really healthy whole food type diet, um, and very little of of you know what I now consider yes. to be um, I suppose I, I would call them trigger foods, foods that ironically I no longer eat, um, and that was coupled with the fact that. Uh, dad would use those foods as sort of a bonding experience. Ah. So there's certainly a bit of, of history from his side of the family, I think, with, with some food issues. Um, 
Yeah, so that was very much a case of, and and he was a much older father. He would come home, um, and he did a lot of the parenting. Like mum was working, uh, and in my later years, sort of teenage years, and dad would be there and would bring home a cake for us to share. Yeah. And you know, don't tell your mother. Not uh-huh. not from any sort of yeah. you know secrecy thing, but just just as a bonding thing. Yes. Yeah. To so, show love. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly when visitors came over, my mother was an amazing cook. Um, and the foods that were provided on those occasions, birthdays, Christmases, those sorts of things, you know, they were they were big deals. Mm-hmm. So, yes, mm. it was certainly a big part of my head mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. And what was school like for you in the early years? School, uh, I never quite felt like I fitted in. Mm-hmm. I... Had friends, but I felt like I sort of held a lot of people at arm's length. I couldn't have told you why. In fact, I wasn't really aware that I was doing it at the time. I thought that's how things were for everybody. But it was just that feeling of I wasn't quite right, Mm. didn't quite fit. Mm. Um, Yeah, could not have have actually expressed that at Mm. the time. Mm -hmm. But always almost that fear that... At some point, somebody was going to turn around and go, oh, that's what you're really like. Oh, no, we don't Uh, want to talk to you anymore. We don't want to be your friend anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So always that underlying fear um, and and vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah, and and, very much that – and it's it's been a theme through most of my life, very much that Mm -hmm. whole, you tell me who you want me to be and I'll be that Uh person. Yeah. So at school I was one person and at home I was another person and yep. after school activities I would be another person depending on what I thought other people wanted yep. me to be. Uh-huh. Very little sense of who I was. Mm-hmm. It's such a common um, story that in the 12-step yes. programs and, yeah. and I wonder if that's the, a precursor for seeking comfort in substances or, or behaviours or whether that's just part of the human condition. I yes. wonder if we all feel, if we, all of us feel yeah. that. Yeah, it, look, yeah. it's quite possible. Yeah. But I think that because food worked as a numbing agent, I didn't develop any other resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it worked for me from such an early age, and we, we hear people coming into the rooms with food behaviours, anorexia, bulimia, overeating, whatever, that don't start until much, much later in life as well. So it is different um, mm. for other people. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I guess perhaps the age at which it starts might, have something to do with whether people develop other resources or not, but I certainly True. didn't. Yeah. And so what was happening in your teenage years um, in general and around food? Teenage years, um, home was a little bit difficult. My father's only sister passed away and um, he really, you know, he really did not, he coped, um, you know, found it very, very difficult to cope with and, and consequently home was, you know, it felt a little bit less stable. Um, you know, mum and dad were, were married for many, many years until dad passed away much later. But uh, certainly for me, I went looking for validation outside the home and unfortunately found that in some sort of unhealthy relationships, um, yeah, uh, Sort of later teenage years, uh, probably around 17, I started drinking and did that as badly as I overate. Uh, <laughs> as well as well as you overate. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, was, there was a lot of searching uh, for something to fill that need inside me that I didn't realise I had. Um, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... 
in terms of academically, I probably went okay until about year nine and then things started to slide probably as my mental health started to slide a little bit. Um, I finished school, I finished year 12 and I was still 17 because I'd started school quite early and then decided to do nursing because I had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. And within nursing, there were still lots of choices and a pretty good partying culture. So, yeah, yeah. so they're they're probably, overall, it it was a happy and loving and supportive home. Yeah. Um, I certainly depended on dad to get me out of some of the really bad decisions that I made and, and he was more than happy to do that, which was probably not the healthiest for, you know, someone in adulthood. Um but it's great. You know, I loved it because, <laughs> you know, I didn't have to actually look after the consequences of, of some of my actions. But yeah. And how, how was the um, addiction to food manifesting it, itself then in your late teenage years? So late teenage years, because um, to some extent, the relationship um, obsession and those sorts of things took over. So my early teenage years, mum took me to my first what I would call diet club ah. Um Looking back on the photos, I, I was probably chubby, but not, you know, not ridiculously overweight, but she knew how much it bothered me. She's not one of us. She doesn't have food issues. And so she tried her best to take me to people that could help with that. Um, you know, the in the 80s, the things that were offered in terms of diet clubs, and I was probably 13 or 14 at the time, and I looked back it, with with a bit of horror at the things that were thought to be okay then in terms yeah, of, you yeah. know, I was put on diets where I would eat six apples per day yeah, and, yeah. and those sorts of things. And <clears throat> that started the diet merry-go-round. Uh-huh. And in the beginning, diets worked. Um, but then as soon as I lost control, all of those kilos plus a few friends would come back. And that was, you know, the story over the next 20, 25 years of losing weight, gaining that and more, losing Mm -hmm. weight, gaining that and more. And the periods of time that I could control the diet got shorter. Yep. The periods of of loss of control between diets got longer. Yep. Um, And at the end of my compulsive eating, I couldn't go from when I woke up in the morning to lunchtime with any sort of control over food. Right. So, so what were you you mentioned trigger foods before what sort yeah. of foods might you want to eat when you got up out of bed in the morning I would not eat for as long as I could because I pretty much knew that once the breaks were off that was it for the day I would not stop once I started so um a lot of people in OA don't have trigger foods as such. It's around mm. quantities and behaviours and yep. those sorts of things. Yep, For yep. me, ironically, all of the foods that I used to share with Dad, so um, bread, dairy products, uh, sugar, yep. um, all, of, all of that stuff, I don't have an off switch. Yep. Um, my body does not seem to be able to process those things for whatever reason. Yep. Um, and so they're not part of my diet and, and haven't been for quite a lot of years now. Yep. All right, we're going to a break in a minute, but I'm just for the audience out there, um, <clears throat> people who may be struggling with their eating or just people who are interested, um, some of the problems uh, that that overeaters face, I've got it written here, are obsession with, and I might get you just to comment as we go to the break after this, Janine, um, obsession with body weight, size and shape, eating binges or grazing, preoccupation with diets, starving, 
laxative or diuretic abuse, excessive exercise, inducing vomiting after eating, chewing and spitting out food, use of diet pills, shots and other medical interventions, inability to stop eating certain foods after taking the first bite, fantasies about food, vulnerability to quick weight loss schemes, constant preoccupation with food and using food as a reward or comfort. Any of those stand out for you, just one of them even to talk about? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the biggest thing is the preoccupation. Yeah. And that was the hardest thing when I came to OA was like, well, if if I don't have to think about my food today because it's all planned, what in earth am I going to do with my head? Uh Um, uh Yeah. So it's it's certainly um, a common theme within the rooms. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Okay, after the break, we'll come back and we can talk about some of the things that you, uh, well, some of the the ways that you descended into uh, this addiction and or some of the ways you've learned how to do better things with your head. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. Um, All right, we'll have a break and uh, we will have a song from Abby Cardwell. Um, and it is called, it is called 52 Pickup.
3CR is Radical Radio. Through our on-air content and community structure, we promote real change for workers' rights, gender equality, environmental action, disability justice, and on racism and First Nations sovereignty. Do you want to be part of real radical change? We need you to subscribe. It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organisation, and $300 solidarity. Call 03-9419-8377. That's 9419-8377. Or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. If you or someone you care for is struggling with a mental illness or other disability and you need someone to talk to, you can call the Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are feeling socially isolated, seeking information about mental health or mental health services, or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. So if you're struggling yourself or are struggling to help someone else, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300 111 500. That's 1300 111 500. Wellways supports 3CR. You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. This is a Living Free Show on 3CR 855 kilohertz on your AM radio dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you would like to listen to one of our many podcasts, then you can find us on your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. You can also contact us via phone, email or Twitter. I'm talking today with Janine, a member of Overeaters Anonymous. (laughs) Okay, Janine, can you talk to us a little bit about your uh, early adulthood and where your uh, addiction and obsession with food took you? Okay. So, um, as I've said, I started my nursing training at 17. Um, I had a belief that I acted on and, and wasn't aware that that was even present that once I got married and had children that things would somehow straighten out and that was what I was meant to do with my life and things would be fine. So I was engaged at 19 and married at 21 and um, ironically about four weeks before the wedding, so I'd been on, as you do, the pre-wedding diet, about four weeks before the wedding I lost control of my eating again and I put on so much weight that the dress very close to didn't fit um, was sort of let out as far as the seams would, would go. And then within that first 12 months after the wedding, I put on 12 kilos and was absolutely horrified. I had no idea. Like it was just that feeling of not knowing what was happening. Um, and that really was the end of of the any sort of dieting success. Um, yeah. From there on, my weight pretty steadily increased. 
Um, my first daughter was born when I was 25, and at that point, I think I was sort of around the 90 kilo mark. Um, my second daughter was born when I was 32, and by that stage, I was sort of 110 kilos. And I, after she was born, I pretty much gave up at that point. Mm-hmm. I pretty much gave up any sort of control. I'd done um, every diet under the sun. I had done medications, um, yoga, uh, religion, you know, counselling, exercise, um, hypnosis, you know, the, the whole gamut, some of which worked for a minute and a half and some of which, you know, not really that much. And so I gave up giving up, <laughs> if I yeah, can phrase yeah. it like that. And uh, my top weight, not pregnant, was 107 kilos and I was just in despair. And what happened for me was a mum that I knew from school lost a reasonable amount of weight and I asked her what she'd done and she gave me one of the Overeaters Anonymous pamphlets, which I buried under a pile of papers on my study desk for the next 12 months. And ironically, I don't know why, but 108 was a deal breaker number uh-huh. for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have no idea where I pulled that number from. Um, and yeah, the day where I hit 107.9 was the day yeah. that I pulled that pamphlet out and did an what was then an online meeting. Um, I can't remember what platform was used, but there was a, a group out of America that was doing um, online meetings because I had a two-year-old, um, my husband was working a lot and mm. I couldn't leave the house mm. to go to meetings. So that was sort of, uh, yeah, the bottom of the barrel. I had got to the point where I was eating all of the food, in, well, all of the binge foods in the house and going down to, you know, it was then 24-hour supermarket trading. Uh, so I'd be down buying yeah. more food at two o'clock in the morning, yep. sneaking out of the house, sneaking yep. back in the house, taking yep. money from the kids' money boxes to fund that, Um you know, buying things and making excuses about who or what they were for, knowing full well that I'd be eating them in the in the walk-in wardrobe with the door shut and the light off. Wow! Um, wow. Measuring measuring car journeys in food. So you know, if it was a three donut journey, you were in trouble because donuts came in boxes of two or four. That's two wouldn't amazing. be enough. And what do I do with the spare if there's four? You know, just that's amazing, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. And were you still drinking alcohol at that point or had you given the alcohol up? It was very much a seesaw. Yep. So when I became worried about my eating, I would put the food down and drink more. And when I was worried about my drinking, I would put the drinking down and eat more. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it kind of probably went on for a little bit longer than it would have if I was addicted to just one type of substance. Ah, but, you know, my head's, um, my head's multi-talented. So... Yeah. <laughs> I can get addicted to lots of things. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, okay. So uh, it sounds like shortly around about this age, you went off to, when you were uh, 107.9. Yep. That's when you went to your, this first meeting. Yes. Uh, what did you hear at that first meeting or what did you feel? The only thing I remember about that meeting is, oh, my God, it's not just me. Mm. And I just cried, cried and cried and cried the whole way through. Um it was the first time I had heard people talking about the things that I was thinking and doing and they weren't doing that anymore. Uh-huh. Um, and and the, both of those were an absolute eye-opener because I thought I w- literally was the only person who thought and acted 
about food this way and that there was something defective about me. Yep. They were saying, no, actually, it's a disease yep. and there is hope and this is what we're doing and you can do it too. Mm. And that was just oh, such a relief on one hand and really, really difficult on the other hand because, well, food's the only thing that's ever worked for me even if I give that up, my life's yeah. over. Yep. So it's that, um, and it's what I've heard referred to as since as that jumping off place. You can't yep. do it anymore, but you can't not do it yep. anymore. And yeah, you're stuck in that middle ground. So you went home uh, a bit relieved of the shame by the sounds of it. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And did you go home and eat? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it took me a long time. So in Overeaters Anonymous, um, when we're not compulsively, like carrying out those compulsive food behaviours, we call that abstinence. Um, and yes, it took a long time to get that. And it has been something that I've lost at times on the way. Um, yeah. Because uh, when you stop using a drug or when you stop drinking, it's very, it's not easy. Any any sort of um, recovery from, from addiction is not easy. But with food, you have to still eat. And mm. so it's a different process mm. than recovery from, well, I can speak to recovery from alcohol. Yeah. It's a very different process from that. Yep. Um, certainly withdrawal from sugar for me. And not yep. everyone has to stop eating anything. No. Um, but certainly withdrawal from sugar was worse than withdrawal from alcohol. Yeah. Um, for some reason, my body just doesn't cope with some substances. Yeah. So... You know, I don't know why that is. I don't have any reason to beat myself up about that. It doesn't, it just even, it doesn't matter why. No, anyway, it really does it? doesn't. You know, mm. it's it's as part of much a part of mm. me as you know yeah. having my eye color or my hair color yeah. or yeah, yeah. Um, and so, what was I going to ask you there? Um, this it's so interesting that that problem of we all need food. Yes, you know, we don't all need alcohol and we don't all yeah. need heroin. Or, yeah. Um, what do you do about that? Talk talk to the audience about how you, okay. how you get your mind around that. Okay, so the main thing that, that I have come to understand is that what gives us abstinence on a daily basis is working the 12 steps and a relationship with a higher power who for total ease of, of language we call God, it's nothing to do with religion. But there are other tools that help. So... Probably the two that are of most assistance with that first issue of, of how do you get and stay abstinent are a sponsor. And a sponsor is someone who helps you work through the 12 steps and a plan of eating. So a plan of eating, for me, it defines the foods that I don't eat um, and it defines the frequencies and the quantities that I'll eat. So – and it – one of the things that makes OA work, I think, is that it's individually based on your own past history. So nobody's handing me a diet plan that works for them that may not work for me. So I have worked with people in OA who eat five times a day, you know, and, and three of those quantities are a dinner plate and three of, two of the, the other two are a bread and butter plate and they don't eat outside of those. But other than that, they don't have trigger foods per se. For me, I don't eat um, gluten, sugar, dairy, um, or the, there are some medical allergies that I've since discovered as well. Who knew? Um, 
and I eat three times a day. When I came into OA, my food plan was six times a day because my blood sugar was all over the shop. Six times a day, whatever I wanted, but I had to plan it the day before. And Ah, that helped get around mm -hmm. those feelings of, oh, I can't have, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling sorry for myself and using that as an Mm -hmm. excuse to eat. And I would commit that to my sponsor the night before. And then Ah. I wouldn't, I wasn't able to change that. Yep. Without contacting her first. Yep. And that was an arrangement you had with your sponsor? Yes. Or is, that, that, yeah. is that a typical arrangement or is that something you and, her, and the sponsor? No, that with? was – so there are different ways that different people do it and it's about finding someone who's got what you want and asking them what they're doing. And, you know, one of the phrases that we use is, is how well do you want to be? Um, we – or I come into things with preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point with my food of recognising that I don't got this. I have no idea how to handle this. And that made me ready to take up those suggestions. Yep. And my sponsor at the time was incredible. And one of the things that she said to me after I'd phoned her yet again, having eaten yet again, is don't ring me, you're already drunk. (laughs) Don't ring me afterwards, ring me before Ah. or don't ring me. Yeah. Um, and that really shocked me into recognising that, yeah, I am not in control of my behaviour after I've taken that first bite. There's no point ringing her now because, yep. of course, I feel lousy. Yeah. And, and effectively, food makes me drunk. Yeah. Um, so that gave me the courage to just do an experiment once to ring her before I picked up that first compulsive right. bite. And for me, yeah. that was that was a deal breaker. That changed everything. Uh-huh. How did it change everything? It meant that I had the option to see the other side of the coin. I had always picked up the food. I had never done anything other than pick up the food. So it opened my eyes to the fact that there were other choices that I could make before I put the food in my mouth and that – I was making that choice to put my f- that food in my mouth, stone cold sober, as it were. And that helped me understand the disease concept, which is not only can I not control the quantity once I start, but if I'm trying to do this on my own, I will always get back to thinking, oh, I can handle one bite yeah, off. Yep. I can't. Yep. I picked up a piece of fruitcake before Christmas one year. Yep. And it took me eight months mm-hmm. to be able to stop eating sugar again. Mm-hmm. You know, eight months of a day or two here or there and then breaking and a day or two here or there and then breaking. And that was hell. Mm-hmm. That was absolute hell. You're back in your cycle of yeah. self-recrimination yes. and shame and yep. thinking that you're the, the person who's yeah. going to um, solve the problem. Yeah. And I can't stop that on mm-hmm. my own. Mm-hmm. I can't stop that cycle. Mm-hmm. So what you've told me is the first part of the healing was being in a group with other people yes. and then having a sponsor yep. and having a higher power. So it's all yep. about putting the um, help outside of yourself yeah. and not inside of yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We often draw reference to the fact that the first word of the 12 steps in a 12-step program is we. We. Yeah. 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 I can't do this. Yep. Um, but with the help of, of other people and a higher power, yeah, yep. just for today. Yeah, it's we- like taking my medicine every day. If I had, for example, diabetes or epilepsy or yes. something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, tell uh, us a little bit about how it felt. Um, did you have withdrawal symptoms or, or feelings of fear or panic when you weren't able to have your food? Oh, absolutely. What's that like? 
it oh, uh, I love stories. Stories really help settle things in my head. So the story that I really like is if I were on an ocean liner going from one continent to another, I would have to lose sight of the land before I saw the land on the other side. You've got to be desperate enough to go and sit in that uncomfortable space for a while before anything changes. But then once you've done that once and something changes, that gives you the courage to do it again and again and again. And you you keep doing that. It's life that we get uncomfortable and that things happen that aren't great. And, you know, that's that's everybody. Um, But one of the things that, you know, relying on a fellowship and relying on a higher power does is that now I will pick up the phone and say to somebody, you're never going to believe what's just happened to me. You're never going to believe what my head's just told me. I really want to go and eat a McDonald's store. (laughs) Uh, And... It's not like a diet because I very rarely have the obsession to overeat anymore. That's mm-hmm. just gone That's most of the time. Yep, yep. And every now and again it sneaks back in and I go, oh, look, I'm still a compulsive eater. Pick up the phone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't yeah. want to go back to that eight months of hell. Yeah. So you've still got uncomfortable feelings. Absolutely. Um, and you've still got your memory of your old coping, coping mm-hmm. mechanism yeah. for that. Yeah. Okay, um, we'll take another break and we'll play another song by Abby Cardwell. Um, this one is called The Future's So Bright. So that's a nice, um, nice <laughs> cheery title for us. I study nuclear science, I love my class. Got a crazy teacher, where's dark glass? Things are going great. Thank you. 
tune in to Done By Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done By Law, 6pm Tuesdays. Did you know that 3CR received its community radio licence in 1976? Our application was successful because of our diverse and engaged community membership. Subscribers are at the heart of our station and we really need you to be active and paid up in 2023. Become a 3CR subscriber today. Call 039419 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. This is a Living Free show on 3CR digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. Um, And we're talking with Janine about compulsive eating. And before we go back to Janine, just uh, remind you all that we do rely on subscriptions here at 3CR. And as a Living Free listener, I urge you please to subscribe if you would like to support the show. So Janine... Can you tell us how you apply the OA program in your daily life today? Yeah, sure. So a lot of the OA program uh, is to do with connection and reliance on a higher power, and we use God for ease of terminology. For me, um, I think the more I work my program, the more I realise I don't actually have to have a working definition of what that means. And it's probably best that I don't because I'm really good at, at shoving things into boxes and limiting them in that way. So I believe that there is something out there um, that actually gives a damn about me personally, every aspect of my life, um, and that I can tap into for guidance um, and direction and serenity and and all of those buzzwords, I suppose you can call it. Um, And so a lot of my day-to-day life is around reminding myself that I'm a compulsive eater and just doing what I did yesterday and the day before and the day before because they worked then and they will will work today as well. So um, I get up in the morning and have my, my brekkie, cuddle the dog, make sure the cats haven't killed each other, that sort of stuff, Um, make a cup of coffee, hop into bed and just have a chat with my higher power. Um, There are a lot of sort of set prayers in the program and out of the program you can use anything you like. Um, I tend to have a chat because I can memorise stuff and then rattle it off without sort of any head and heart connection whatsoever. Um, Is that that a chat... uh out loud or just in your mind? Usually just in my mind. Um, so it will be uh, handing over and, and asking for help with anything that I'm worried about, people that have asked me to pray for them or that I'm concerned about or that are sick or, or any of that sort of stuff. Um, asking to be useful to you know the rest of God's kids, which is the rest of the human race. Um, at some point in the day, asking for help to to get out of my own default position, which is, you know, look at me, look at me, um, I need this, I need that, um, that sort of selfish 
type um, attitude because it's when I'm looking at myself as part of the human race and looking at other people that I have good days. You know, it's kind of that happiness is a byproduct of, of getting out of my own head. Mm. Um, I will have, so my sponsor knows at that point what my food plan is, is going to look like. I take calls in the morning from a sponsee and I call my sponsor at the moment um, and I go off to work. My food's already planned and organised, so that's not something I, I have to worry about. Um, and then I usually do maybe three to four meetings a week, a mix of, of different fellowships that I'm involved with. And um, some of those are face-to-face, some of those are online. Um, so it's really great with with Zoom and, and yeah. the other platforms these days. It's very easy. There's, there's meetings every hour of every day somewhere, somewhere in the world. Yep. Um, which which has certainly made made it a lot broader. I, I hear many more stories these days and, yeah, and a lot more diversity and, and a lot more recovery, which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and at the end of the day, I'll, I'll have a think about my day and, okay, what did I get right? What did I stuff up? What do I need help with? Um, and put my head on the pillow and actually feel like a half-decent human being <laughs> and sort of comfortable in my own skin. And that's got nothing to do with my weight, turns out. Uh-huh. Surprised the heck out of me. Yeah. I always thought that, you know, I'll, I'll get, not that I ever got really skinny, but I'm a normal weight these days. Um, once I'm a normal weight, I'll be fine. Yeah. And it turns out that the problem was between my left ear and my right yeah. ear. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the program, it's, you know, the 12 steps themselves have made me feel okay in my own skin. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. What you're saying about God, I find in my own recovery um, that the, my default position is that I'm God. Yeah. Does, is that, is that uh, something you resonate with? No, I'm I'm more of the beat myself with a large stick variety of, of person. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's but, what I'm doing too as, okay. as a punishing God. Yes, okay, yeah. Um, no, for me it's more a case of um, there's some – I think I learned, not that I was taught, but I learned that I should be able to do all of this stuff myself. That's right. And uh, unlearning that. You know, that's still a bit of a work in progress and that's okay. We just practice it each day Um, because I don't think any of us as human beings are actually made to live in independence and in isolation. And I've heard recently, whether it's true or not, I'm not sure, but that extreme independence is a trauma response and I resonate with that. That's interesting. Yeah. What I'm saying when I'm being independent is... I don't trust you. I don't trust anybody. Yep. I don't, yeah. mm-hmm. And I don't trust myself that's either. Right. So, yep. you know, that's, <laughs> yep. that's, um, that's a difficult position to be in. Yep. And I have to act like I trust these days, whether or not I do. That's right. You know, you act yourself into feeling okay about it, yep. not the other way around. Mm-hmm. I think that's when I say, I think I'm God. Um, that's what I mean. You know, okay. I'm yeah. completely independent. I'm completely self-sufficient. Yeah. I know what's yep. right for me at every moment. Yeah. I can figure anything out at all mm-hmm. that I want to. Um, I know what's right for you as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I might give you some unsolicited advice about that. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I think if I do have any obsessions or compulsions, I can fix that. Mm-hmm. And I should be yes. able to. Yes. Uh, I think that's what I mean by Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. God. I can relate to all of that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh what uh, are the, what are other some of the other 
triggers that you have that are telling you that you're filling that void again that you might want to fill it with something? All right, let's go with an example from this week. (laughs) Uh, So my youngest is moving out of home this week, uh, which leaves my husband and I with an empty nest. And, you know, there's been a lot of emotions around that. Um, you know, it's it's really positive for her, but it's a huge step and, you know, I, I worry about lots of things because I'm a mother and that's what I do. That's how I protect my children. I worry about them. Um, and so I'm, I have noticed the desire to deal with that fear by controlling everything in my environment. Uh-huh. Yep. So I've been getting annoyed at work because somebody put a piece of paper in the wrong place. Yes. And... Um, I've been annoyed at home because, you know, somebody left this door open and, and I try and control those that micromanage the environment because if the environment is perfect, then I will be safe. Don't think I'm acting on it as much as I used to, but certainly aware. And it's, it's what we were talking about before, that uncomfortability and, and sitting with it and trying not to do harm in it. I don't actually want to yell at anybody that I live with or work with actually really like those people. Um, so, yeah, just having a chat to my higher power all through the day. Oh, God, I'm doing it again. Can you just, you know, get me out of yeah. my own head, give me something yeah. to do, make me useful. Um, yeah, yeah, help me not to do any harm. Um, that sort of yeah. – I guess I am slower in my own head than I used to be in that I don't jump into harmful actions as quickly some of the time (laughs) than I used to. Um, I have a little bit of awareness some days now, which is good. Yeah, and that's something you'd be, because that's your current, uh, on your agenda at the moment, your child moving out, that would be what you would probably talk to your sponsor about? Absolutely, yes. The poor woman's had her ears uh, (laughs) talked off on that particular topic the last few days. And what what would she say to you about that? She reminds me, it's ironic, she says the things to me that I would be saying to sponsees, but I don't apply to myself. So things like, all right, well, what's the next right thing? You know, what are the actions you need to take with that today? Um, You know, what are the things you're worried about? Is there anything you can actually do about any of that? Is that yours or is that hers to deal with? If it's yours, great, take some action. If it's hers, give it to your higher power and, and try and leave it there and trust that your daughter has a higher power of her own um, who will guide her and look after her if she asks yeah. and, yeah, um, yeah, those sorts of things. Yeah. You know, we don't talk much about food these days because no. that's pretty much sorted for today. And in a way it was never the issue. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. It was it was my thinking and my feelings and, and yes. my place in the world and, yeah, yeah how I, I deal with other people in my world mm-hmm. that, and they continue you know, to be the issues ongoing. Yep. You know, and the steps give you something concrete to do with that. They give you a way of making sure that you don't, well, you don't harm other people or yourself with with your your uncomfortable feelings. Yeah, yep. And that you can make amends for it and repair those relationships when I do because it's a when, not an if. Yes. I'm going to screw it up every now and again. Yes. Could talk a little bit then, would you Mm. please, about the... Um, the ability of the 12 steps or working the 12 steps to help relationships with other people. Oh, absolutely. 
So I've talked a little bit about pausing and asking my higher power for guidance. So if my emotions are high, what my sponsor says to me is things like, you know, you don't take actions while your emotions are high. You wait for them to settle and then you take actions because I'm likely to, you know, that's the situations where I'm likely to do things that in retrospect I wouldn't have done. Um, certainly when I yell at my husband because I'm uncomfortable and it's not his fault, um, it gives me the ability to go back to him and say, I'm feeling really uncomfortable um, because, you know, I have to drive a truck on Saturday and I've never driven Mm -hmm. a truck before and so I'm trying to micromanage and I took that out on you and I'm really sorry. Wow. And I will try not to do that again and if I'm starting to put my bitch hat back on, feel free to say something, (laughs) which of course he never does. But, um, you know, it gives him an understanding of our relationship is actually okay. What's the issue is not you. It's what's going on in my head. Yep. Mm. So, yeah, Yeah. from that point of view, yeah, the relationship is a lot more open and honest and we can support each other because we know when we need it, need Mm -hmm. support. And it's, uh, I've heard recently that we talk in the 12-step fellowships about how um, the disease, whatever it is, is, is progressive. It gets yes. worse. It doesn't yeah. get better on its own. It gets worse yeah. in the addiction. Um, and that recovery is also progressive. Yes. And I think just hearing you talk there about what a good relationship looks like yes. and your clarity about not um, uh, assuming that it's, there's something wrong with the relationship or letting your husband think that yes. because you're yelling at him. Um, is a what that will support your recovery too because yes. it's a, a virtuous cycle up yeah. the way. So you're not making things worse in your relationships, mm. which are likely to make things worse for yourself and then yeah. trigger off the yeah. the disease the downward again. spiral. Yeah, yeah. So yeah that's it's, right. It's very important. Yep. Yep. You pick up things when they're small, rather than sort of um, letting them become huge because I'm acting on thoughts that I haven't even recognised. Yes, you know? that's, that's right. Yeah. Because often we're acting straight out of feelings. Exactly. Aren't we? Yep. And uh, often I hear often in, in the fellowship too that um, if it's hysterical, it's historical. <laughs> Uh, Love that. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> you're going hysterical because someone's left yes. dishes in the sink. It's probably not about the dishes. Yes. Yep. Yep. And certainly <laughs> um, my feelings will tell me when there is something coming up from the past yeah. that I need to have yeah. another look at. Yeah. You know, peel another layer back off that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and things do come up over and over again. Yeah. Um, same things. Yes. Yep. And they just need another, you know, need another couple of layers shaved off the top and and they can go away again until next time. Yeah. And what about, you mentioned pause before. Do you use that as an acronym, you know, the acronym? I've heard a couple of acronyms for it. I don't because I don't have a memory for acronyms. (laughs) But, um, you know, it's just that whole take three breaths and then think about, what you want to do or say? Yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's a good action, and yeah. the acronym's good too. For people who do uh, pause, it's postpone action until serenity enters. Oh, I would never do anything if I <laughs> <laughs> waited for the serenity. Well, yeah, that's right. I'm well, still sitting here waiting. No, well, yeah. uh, postpone action until even a little bit of serenity. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I, yeah. I do like that one. Yeah. yeah, but no, that's certainly um. Yeah, it's just slowing my head down, getting yeah. the hamster off the wheel. Yes. And um, stepping yes. outside of yep. the situation a bit. Yep. Telling the itty bitty shitty committee to sit down and shut up. The itty bitty yeah. shitty <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any any other um, slogans or things you like? That, that, uh, like oh, look, there's lots of them. Be amusing um, for the audience. <laughs> yeah, well, 
and, and I do love meetings where, where we talk about the slogans at the end of them. But, um, yeah, no, not really. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> you, don't, you don't use those that much. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I tend to go stories rather than slogans. Ah, they they so sort of stick with me a bit more. Ah, so. so stories as what works for you. So yes. you would enjoy hearing the stories at the meetings? Yes, and... absolutely. Mm-hmm. I like hearing the similarities, but I also like hearing what we call the yets, you know, what I haven't done yet. Yeah, yet. Right. Well, there you go. There's an acronym for you yet. You're eligible too. <laughs> um, so if, you know, it's just yeah. that reminder that if I choose to go back into that active disease, yeah. it will continue to progress. Yeah, and yeah. just because I haven't done something yet doesn't mean it's yes. not in my future. That's right. That you know? keeps the humility there, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay, um, nearly time to finish. If we've got we've got about one more minute before we need to vacate the studio for the next person, uh, give a little message out to anyone who's listening that might be struggling with their food addiction and how they might find help in OA. Yeah, sure. So um, the probably the best website to start with is oa.org, which is the website from the states, and that can link you into a lot of literature, a lot of meetings all over the world. Um, different days and times. You don't have to be an overeater or a a compulsive eater to come to an OA meeting. You are welcome to come as an observer. In fact, we say come to at least six meetings before deciding if OA is for you. So just come and say, hi, I'm, I don't know, Joe Blow, give us a false name if you'd like. Um, And just, you know, sit, listen, talk to people, see if you relate. Because, you know, while OA has absolutely worked for me and and thousands of other people it's not the only option out there Um, but it's also not somebody who doesn't know the experience of compulsive eating who's going to be giving you answers out of a textbook Um, there are no professionals in OA Uh, just come and listen to other people's stories see if any of it rings bells for you um, and you're welcome to keep coming back if you think that you know, if you're one of us and, and you think that we can help. Thank you very much for coming in today, Janine. My pleasure. Thank story. you so much for having me. It's a story of hope. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so that is all we have time for today. I'd just like to say if you are having difficulty with your own compulsive eating, you might like to go to Overeaters Anonymous. You can find them at oa.org.au. All meetings welcome new members and the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. There are meetings listed on the website at oa.org.au forward slash meetings. These may be face-to-face, online or hybrid meetings. Have you still got hybrid meetings? We do. You do? Yep. Yep. Uh, Coming up next, we have Balanois, the spirit of war, hosted by Uncle Taljum Choco Edwards. Join Uncle Choco on a journey of belonging and movement through sing-alongs and yarns. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.